Hello and welcome along to the Family and Friends podcast. My name is Maxi. I'm one of the producers here at Family Creative and this is our new weekly podcast. Each week we plan to introduce you to some of the guys that we work with quite regularly and some people that we haven't even worked with at all yet. Our guest this week is musician Tommy Evans. He's had a hugely successful career as a songwriter, um, a conductor and a producer uh, and he's recently actually branched out into scoring music for film which he's been thoroughly enjoying. We talk about what impact the coronavirus has had on uh, on the music industry, uh, performers and venues. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Family and Friends with Tommy Evans. Tommy, thank you so much for joining us on Family and Friends. Pleasure. Um, first time on the podcast. Uh, what have you been up to, mate? What's been what's been happening of recent? It's just, um, God, what have I been up to? A bit of everything, really. I mean, this year has been obviously very difficult for um, for musicians and um, uh, particularly those musicians who, who rely on live music for all or a good part of their income. And I, you know, firmly fall into that category. And, and uh, it's been a sort of strange year of, um, you know, trying new stuff out. Um, it's, I think, I think a lot of musicians have sort of been faced with this, like, it's just a, a very strange set of circumstances where, you know, you're, you're having to kind of, you know, you're getting told to retrain, which is, which is strange. But I think more than anything else, I felt quite lucky because I've had 15 odd years of really good touring behind me and really, we've had a lot of fun doing the stuff that we've done. And, um, I really feel for the guys who were, you know, 15 years behind where I am now. You know, the guys in their early 20s just leaving music college, maybe just been signed. The scene's just been absolutely butchered and, and it's. I really worry for how it's going to be over the next two, three years um, or, or longer, actually. I mean, I think it's going to take, you know, five, ten years to recover from yeah. this because, well, I mean, just so many of the venues would have shut down, so many promoters would have gone out of business, festivals would have closed. I mean, we'll see what happens next year, but I'm I'm envisaging that there'll be... I can't see there being any live work next year, really. We've obviously most people have seen from the outside what's what's been going on, and uh, you know it's it's tough to watch. Mm. What's the kind of what's the feelings on the inside? What's what's actually happening? What's the what's the chat amongst you? Well, you know, you got. I mean, I think the 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 overwhelming feeling right now, and obviously it changes, you know, kind of week by week, month by month. But right now, most musicians are working on the assumption that there'll be nothing happening in twenty twenty one in terms of live stuff really? like nothing Still. at all yeah um, that's that's kind of worst case scenario but I think you have to plan for that don't you um, there is a there is a general sense that like touring standard touring like indoor UK European US kind of touring just is not going to happen next year um, festivals it's a it's a bit of an unknown there are a lot of conversations happening about festivals next summer but um, I think they're pretty. I can't see any festivals. Well, camping festivals. Yeah, they're going to struggle to do any festivals that are camping. You know, well, it's, it's going to be hard. A giant work. petri dish. Yeah, it's going exactly. to be hard to sort of exactly. distance anything. At, uh, exactly, your but shoulder but, to shoulder for yeah. most of it. How are you going to police that? How are you going to? You yeah, can't. it's going to be tough. But the um, people seem to be fairly positive and optimistic about um, one day 
like metropolitan festivals, right? That seems to be the thing at the moment that, you know, people are holding on to. So there could be a bit of that next summer or all festivals will just find a different way around it. You know, they'll just find different ways to to, to do it. it. Yeah, but at at some stage it's like, yeah, but that's fine, but it's still a festival. You've still got 10, 15, 20,000 people in a field. Like, (laughs) it's like, that's that's not going anywhere. Like, anyway, so next year is going to be an absolute shit show, but hopefully it will be less of a shit show than this year and there will be a, a more greater sense of um, positivity and there'll be some light at the end of the tunnel, you know, because this year there's just been no light at all, has there? Do you know of anyone that's sort of adapted within the scene and has actually, like, come up with something new, a, a new way of delivering to to the audience? That's yeah. a good question. I mean... Uh, a lot of people are doing and I say a lot of people a few people are, are doing kind of online classes online sort of master classes and tutorials and yeah. that kind of thing um, but a lot of people you know don't have the set of st- skills that they can deliver yeah. online or you know if you're a live musician and you have you know you're you are just incredibly good at one specific thing it's quite hard to just transfer those skills elsewhere it's, a, it's yeah, difficult yeah. to particularly in the classical world but in in all in all styles of music i mean you know just because you're a great player doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be a great teacher or be able to compose or produce or whatever it's like it's tough particularly as i say in the classical world or for musicians who are just players just mm-hmm. you know session guys and you know it's tough um i'm sure there are musicians and artists and people across the arts in general who are being incredibly creative and using this time really productively in um, a whole myriad of different ways but yeah it's it's hard for everyone um my my vibe with it has been um i've really tried to use it as an opportunity to uh to get stuck into what i'm seeing as kind of the next stage in my my sort of um career in in a sense because i've i've done you know as i say 15 years of touring or whatever and uh but having had i've just had my second well had a second kid about a year or so ago and realized that touring with two kids is is quite hard work so i've been on this sort of career shift towards um uh composing and producing music for tv and film mm-hmm. Um, for a few years now and I'm still very much at the early stages of that yeah. move but um, I had started that that move you know I've been lucky with that yeah. um, but so I really through lockdown I really kind of used it as an opportunity to take myself back to school and I just did a lot of reading and a lot of research and experimenting and tried to kind of I don't know just refine my um, skills really you know and, and, and that's, that was a that was a really good process to do quite a scary process to do in a way as well mm. um, but, but yeah it was it was and, and massively self-indulgent <laughs> but I think it's some t- I allowed myself like three months in summer to be really self-indulgent and, and I and it was I felt like a dick doing it at the time but it actually was useful and it has been really useful and um so yeah, that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. Well, here on Family and Friends, we kind of talk about our origins in terms of uh, you know how we got to where we are currently. Um, so where where are you from, Tommy? What did you know? What what were you like growing up? Have you always been into music. <laughs> Don't know like... that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask that. Um, 
Okay, so I, I was born in London. Yeah. I was born in Tooting, but then I had my folks moved to Oxford when I was about four or five. So I grew up in Oxford, which is an amazing place to grow up, particularly if you're into music, because it's like, it's a big enough city t- for there to be a lot going on, yeah. but small enough for it not to be too kind of overwhelming yeah, yeah, yeah. and mad and big like London is. Um, so that was great. I was very lucky to grow up there. Um, and I was always into music. I, I learned drums at school, um, learned trumpet as well. Trumpet was my first instrument, weirdly, and uh, nice. and learned piano as well. And um, I was always into it, but actually I I, um, I used to dance when I was a kid. Right. And I, I, I did a lot of dance, like contemporary dance. And I can see there's a bit of a backing dancer there. Come on, Quite mate. athletic. Come on, come on. <laughs> But I was I was always way better at dance than I was at music. Um, but I didn't. I enjoyed dance because I enjoyed being physical, and I just got I, like I still love sport. I was just into sport in general, and just being active and whatever. And I loved that aspect of dance and just throwing myself around. Um, but and I was always quite good at it, and I was never as good at music. But I much preferred music. Uh, anyway, when I was like <clears throat> 16, 17, I I got into. Um, I got into all of the dance conservatoires and I just thought I would end up going to one of those places and then I, I was playing football and I tore all of the ligaments in my knee. And um, so I had this like horrific football injury which basically completely ruined my dance career. <laughs> but it was like last year, it was I suppose AS levels or A level year. So I was what, 17, 18 or whatever. Anyway, so I was like, fuck, like, what am I going to do? And um my only other option I wasn't massively academic so my, my only other option was music mm. so I managed my best mate uh, John was had just got a place at Leeds College of Music to do the jazz degree mm. and at the time I was playing in bands with him and doing a lot of music with him and um, I was like well I'll give it a go and try and get in there and got in there and uh, yeah so that was my kind of that was my story of getting into music I suppose nice. yeah so it was a bit of a like you know it's never really what I was supposed to do it's funny how you kind of fall into things isn't it yeah. everyone kind of has, to, has that one thing when they're growing up like, I visualise myself doing X, Y, Z things change mm-hmm. but I mean it's lucky you kind of went into it mate well yeah what, what would have happened if you didn't injure your knee that day well I know I know right it's weird I, yeah you're right I've not, I haven't thought about that for a long time but it's funny and then I so I got into to, to music college and I um I decided I wanted to be like the best jazz drummer in the world. That was I went in to do the jazz course and was like, right, this, that's going to be my thing. I'm going to wear a suit and I'm going to be a jazz drummer and it's going to be it's going to be great. Which is quite quite a long way away from contemporary dance. But um, so I did that for and I, I did a couple of years of that and actually not even that. It probably it's probably about halfway through my first year of uni when I realised that I, I was all right at the drums, but I wasn't ever going to be like the you know the shit hot guy that I wanted to be. And um, so I was like, God, oh, this is, this is, you know, what am I gonna do? Like, I'm, I'm not, I'm gonna be okay at the drums. I might be able to make a living off of it, but I'm probably gonna end up really being a drum teacher. You know, it was that kind of, that was the path I was kind of beginning to look at, maybe do some stuff in bands, maybe a few sessions. And I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm not being a drum teacher. I, can't, <laughs> I don't wanna do that. So I was like, and also at the time I was desperate to play with people. I was really like, you know, really keen to play and I wanted to meet people and stuff but I just wasn't getting booked to play in people's bands because uh, I just sort of wasn't good enough yeah. I was I was decent I was you know on a doing a degree in drumming I was a good drummer but I wasn't like you know one of the top guys and um, so I started writing music and I'd never written music before but I thought that if I 
if I started my own bands and then wrote the music for those bands, then I would have that, it would just be a vehicle for me to then play the drums, right? Okay, right. And so then if I quickly realized that I was way better at writing music than I was at playing music. Yeah, what was the uptake like on that? So what, how do you start writing music? What do you do? What do you mean specifically for me at that, that moment? What did yeah, I start I mean, doing? Like, what kind of stuff were you writing? What was your was What was your process? Did you have a teacher? It was like no, it was just like really weird jazz stuff, like that. Just like very strange contemporary jazz. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all, like in hindsight, I mean, awful music. NTS about midday. Yeah, oh, exactly. <laughs> you got it. Nail on the head. I mean, um, conceptually flawed in a lot of ways. Badly executed. You know pretty badly composed it was not great but it didn't really matter right it was just a not it was i had realized that that was that was the thing that i could actually do and was better at and have more confidence in myself doing um and i could pull people along with me doing that in a way that i couldn't um playing just playing kit so so i started doing that and by the end of the first year of uni i'd um i'd started like four different bands and then it just kind of escalated from there like it just it got a bit silly at one point in uni I was playing in like 15 bands or something you know just like just silly you know um which actually a lot of jazz musicians do that's kind of a thing you just play in lots of different bands and everything's a bit you know kind of similar but 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 different but um but anyway so so that kind of um yeah, I did. So, I, and, but the only reason for starting all these bands was literally just so I could play the drums. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Um, anyway, so then that kind of led to starting um, Submotion Orchestra in the, I suppose, third year of uni, or, or maybe it's the year after uni. Um, and that kind of, that sort of took off in a way. Um, and that was great. And that continues. You know, we've it's been going for 12 years now, that band. Um, and we've done five five studio albums or six studio albums and um, several EPs as well. So that that was a really good thing. <laughs> that that was great and has and he wrote all the stuff for Submo as well. Well, I mean, not all of it, but not a lot of it, it yeah. Um, and yeah, so that 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 was one of those things that just sort of it just worked. It you know it was an idea that. Um, was a good idea <laughs> and then there's been a lot that haven't been such good ideas but that worked and that, that was cool um, and around that time I started playing with GDC as well um, which was sorry Gentleman's Dub Club which was still goes as well it's, it's like a you know nine piece sort of dub reggae band and that was a band that we just started playing at house parties um, in like basements in, in, in student like houses in Leeds it went from there it was not a it was not a particularly serious thing to start with it was just like a bunch of mates having a laugh and mm-hmm. um, but to be honest I think that's how a lot of good good band staff right it's like it came from a really organic positive place yeah. and it is still a really organic positive thing it's um, it's amazing every year we think it will stop or people get get bored or mm. realize that we're a bunch of idiots yeah, but it just keeps going yeah it keeps going off yeah it's it's amazing that it's still going and 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 we all still have the love for it it's great like it's it's just it's a good laugh and you think that's like part kind of comes to the territory with that genre of music it's such a feel good the energy is just like yeah i think so although i don't i think it's um it's quite a unique thing that band has in a way it's um I don't know just the, it's just 
good vibes over everything mm. you know there's hardly ever kind of disputes there's um it's just a very positive kind of um bunch of people who who just love love doing it yeah and and johnny and toby the guys that run that band are just amazing at you know they have so much kind of positivity and energy for it it's incredible um so yeah that's been a that's been a good a good thing so i mean so basically i i toured with those two bands through my 20s and that was you know made up a lot of what i did writing and playing for those two bands yeah which was which was great um what were those what were those times like man awesome i mean I, I mean that was literally my 20s was just playing playing in those two bands and and writing music for those bands and touring and stuff yeah. yeah um which was i mean obviously a lot of other bits and bats mm-hmm. along the way as well lots of lots of different writing things and all, all kinds of stuff but those were the two kind of consistent main things it was great man i mean i was incredibly lucky because um Submotion kind of ticked the jazz box for me. It sort of was interesting enough to kind of scratch that particular mm-hmm. itch. Um, and then GDC is just tear out mayhem with my mates. Like it was a good, like a good balance of of stuff. And I was, you know, and they're all such lovely people. Everyone in both those bands are just, you know, such amazing people. So I was very lucky to to tour them all and. It was good fun. I mean, like, neither band is like, it's not like with you 2 do you know what I mean? It's not like huge international touring, but it was touring yeah. touring at a level that was, like, decent enough to do consistently and enjoy. You know, it wasn't, it was above the toilet circuit. <laughs> it was like, but not, not, nothing, you know, we never, it's never gone mad and we've done, you know, full kind of world tours or anything, but good level touring. It's quite a nice sweet spot, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it would have been great to have done some, you know, bigger shows and whatever but I think you know it's not like either of those bands are mainstream in any way like both quite you know underground sort of music in a way so for what it for what it was we did really well and we had a lot of fun doing it and we still do one of the sections we usually do on family is uh like your biggest clanger which usually when we got like directors photographers is when something's fucked up yeah. might not be your fault might be someone else's fault might be your fault but um, there's been so many I mean Jesus if, uh, off the top of your head we can always come back to this question a bit later if you want to have a think but off the top of your head what was like what was your favourite show you've done and what is the worst show that like you've you've performed that not necessarily that your your own performance you think is the worst but something's gone tits up the venue's just been weird like which one was you want to start with good or bad oh man I mean there's been there's been a lot on both ends of the spectrum I um <laughs> I mean to be like the best I would say the best show I've ever done yeah. so I've um and this is I mean I've done some amazing shows with GDC and amazing shows, shows with Submo but the the one that will I will never forget was the the first Outlook Orchestra show yeah. at the Royal Festival Hall yes which was so it was the first ever outlook gig and um it was just this like mad the whole concept behind the show was mad that it was so ambitious and so just for people who don't know what the outlook orchestra is did you just want to quickly so, so so the outlook orchestra is and i will answer your question but yeah, no, some con- concept context behind it um the uh, so Outlook Festival is a festival in Croatia that specialises in bass music and you know everything from that kind of scene um, 
in 2017 they were approached by um, the South Bank to see if they wanted to do some kind of event at the Royal Festival Hall to celebrate 10 years of Outlook Festival and so Noah Ball who's the uh, one of the directors of, of the festival had this idea to do some kind of orchestral um, interpretation of some of the tracks that had been you know the biggest tracks from that scene over the last 10 years and he approached me to um, be the musical director and conduct the, the the thing so that was in like October of 2016 I think I think yeah I think it was 16 and the gig was on the like 10th of January 2017 right. so it's like there was like this three month window it's like right we've got this gig we want you to be the musical director it's in we want to do a two hour continuous set like a like a like a mega mix you know like a tape yes. yeah, you know whatever like mix like a DJ set. mix but for with a full orchestra spanning all genres from hip hop to garage to drum and bass to jungle to grime to whatever right it's not fucking hell right okay <laughs> right okay and um, so basically um, I had to sort of transcribe all of this music and then arrange it and orchestrate and uh, I've got this guy called Matt Roberts who's a, a good friend of mine um, who helped do that and we did a lot of it together um, anyway, we managed to deliver this thing. Um, and it was one of those, we did a week of rehearsing before it. And it was, it, I mean, it was just no one, no one who, no one, none of the musicians, none of the artists had um, done anything like it before. So it was a two hour show. Yeah. And there was about, it was 25 or 26 guest vocalists. So you're dealing with like guys from that scene, vocalists from that scene, right? Who are, with the greatest amount of respect, like fucking mental. (laughs) And like, and so trying to coordinate all of them and their managers and their blah, 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 plus a 30 piece orchestra, plus the fact that I'd never done anything like that before. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. (laughs) Like no one really had a clue what they were doing. And we had this really intense week of rehearsing with just the rhythm section of the orchestra. And then we had a day of rehearsing with the whole orchestra and the the vocalists. And then, but the way it worked is that we, you could never run, you could not do a whole dress rehearsal before going, before the actual thing. So there was no, we never did it fully before doing it. Yeah. It was like we'd... because basically all, well, all these vocalists, they didn't well, turn up yeah. when they were supposed to be there for the sound so, check and all the rest of it. They yeah. just like turn up at random times. It's like, okay, right, General Levy's here. Quick, let's do the General Levy track. Right, he's gone. Who have we got? It's like, all right, <laughs> Killer P's here. Right, let's do Skeng. Quickly, right, so do that. You know what I mean? It was just yeah, this like yeah, yeah. ad hoc, weird way of um, sound checking and rehearsing. So we didn't have like, basically, until the moment we actually got on stage in front of two and a half thousand people, that was the first time we'd ever done it. Fucking hell. So it was just like this crazy, crazy, emotional, nervy yeah. n- n- night where you had this audience who you could tell were willing this thing to be good. They really were desperate for it to, get, be, to be good because it was just so, so, different. so kind of different. And, and it was also like, I think a lot of people approached it with like a certain amount of kind of skepticism as in like, I hope this is good, but it's probably going to be shit. Yeah. And it was amazing. Like, it was just one of those nights where, I don't know, it all just kind of worked. It, it was just, it all fell into place and all the vocalists killed it and yeah, the band killed it. Man, it was just incredible. Yeah, yeah. And like, 
just the feeling of like I mean conducting an orchestra is a very unique thing to do anyway it's an amazing feeling because you've just got these incredible musicians in front of you playing this stuff and it's loud and it's full on it's just like it's amazing but that was a particularly incredible moment um, so that that would be my my favourite gig of all time without a doubt but I mean the we've done two other shows since then uh, at the festival hall one with um, one with Rodigan and one with Mala and they've both been incredible for different reasons um, what's David Rodigan like in person he's great he's a, he's, in a, he's an amazing bloke he's um, uh, I mean incredibly charismatic you know intensely passionate about the music there's no no hint of bullshit yeah. it's all legit it's all from the heart and um, yeah like, like I worked with Goldie a few years ago and I wrote all of the string stuff for, for one of his albums and um, you got a similar vibe from Goldie it was that like they, you know people like him really bring out the best in you like Goldie was just like listen mate you've got to write like the most beautiful like string arrangements for this thing it's got to be incredible and when he's someone like that is talking to you like that and you're like god this yeah it's got to be good right like I can't I can't mess this guy around I've really got to raise the bar here and, and, and Rodigan had the same effect it was like because he was so the music meant so much to him mm. and like about like we, we spent honestly months deliberating about the set list for that show wow. and they were like he came to the first meeting with a list of like 200 tracks or something <laughs> I mean like, we were trying to like you know to try and condense the history of Jamaican music into an hour and a half show it's like it's impossible yes. that you could do 10 of those For shows someone like that who has just the knowledge yeah man and, and every track to him is so important and so relevant. Do you know what I mean? It's like, and, and has a story behind it. And, you know, it's, so for him, it was this like, it's almost like a Michelin star chef planning like an amazing meal. Like he's just, he's, exactly, that's a great analogy. Yeah, exactly yeah. that, you know, and, he, and he's a very like, very, once he, once he decided that a track had to be in, that's it, had to be in, you know. Right. But anyway, so that was, he, he's an amazing bloke to work with. I love him. Absolutely love him. Great guy, true gentleman and, you know, pleasure to work with. And he's got a great team around him as well. His manager, John, is an absolute G and, and um, yeah, he's, he smashed it. So, yeah, he's great to work with. Love it. On the flip side, what was, okay, what was right, it worth? Gigs. Oh, my God, mate. Well, I mean, oh. I mean, mate, like, when GDC first started, I mean, we did we did any gig, anything, yeah. any gig at all. I remember one where we we drove to um, we were all living in Leeds at the time, and um, we got this gig offer to play like a reggae party or something in Pembrokeshire, right? Which is like, do you know where that is? Like in, in like southern Wales, it's like the furthest, oh, okay. most southern like south southwesterly yeah, yeah. point of Wales, and um, God Probably. God knows where this where this club was I don't know but anyway so we, we we hired this van and this van was limited to 50 miles an hour and so we <laughs> it took like it took like eight hours to get there and we were late and we rocked up and then uh, we played this gig that was terrible the sound system was awful they didn't have enough microphones the desk was broken you know one of those things and then it was awful there was no one there then had to get back in the van and drive like another eight out that was bad but I mean man that was like one of you know just uh, any number of gigs that were like that you know it's, it's, <laughs> yeah 
But anyway, they're all fun. You learn something from all of them. Of course, mate. Oh, that's the one theme we hear quite a lot on the sort of biggest fuck up clanger section is you do come away with like you come away with something. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Nice, mate. What kind of stuff have you been working on recently? Um, so, um, so I yeah, I, I've I've been I've been really. I've been really interested in getting into t- well I'm getting into sort of TV and film stuff and it's been a really interesting um, well coming from the sort of live world to come into this world at this stage in my career has been interesting because um, I don't know I've, having 15-20 years of experience behind me it's it's nice to go into a, um, a new kind of part of the industry mm-hmm. not feeling like you like you don't know what you're talking about. Of course. Do you know what I mean? Sort it's of quite like completely not completed one thing, but like yeah, it's exactly. You've, you've done you've done something. You've done it really well. You've achieved quite a lot. Maybe it's time to like exactly. Yeah. It's nice to it's nice to just feel like, and also the fact that, um, well, certainly to start with, when I was beginning to move into this world, it was, um, the live stuff was still ticking over. So there wasn't like a kind of sudden financial like. Mm shit I need to start making money off this stuff straight away I had kind of allowed myself two or three years of like just beginning to organically build up contacts and stuff like that and, and get into this which which was I think a, a, a good thing to do and a you know, good process to go on anyway so um, the long game is obviously to become a film composer that's what yeah. I want to do and it's what countless other composers <laughs> and producers want to do um, but I'm really enjoying um the, pro- the process and the journey of getting there so at the moment I've been doing a lot of ad stuff um, a lot of I'm doing a short film at the moment for a director called Paul Bryant which is good awesome. um, I'm doing yeah just a lot of I mean a bit of library music and stuff like that as well but mainly kind of advert stuff and pitch stuff which is which is cool like it's that's just where I'm at at the moment right is it quite do you use a different part of your brain in terms of like when you're writing a song there's no like there's no brief there's no like visual reference. There's no, you've got like your genre, you've got your vibe, you're going to write a song. Whereas in commercial film, you've got, sometimes you'll, they'll, I guess, the, would the film already be cut and you'd see it? Uh, you've got a brief, you've got a style, you've got a look. Do you find it easier to do that, having a kind of bit of more of a framework or do you prefer just kind of going in and thinking something up yourself or? I think there's, um, I think there's a, sl- a misconception with, with, um, not that I write pop music, but with with writing a song, yeah. you know, you're quite limited in a way writing three to five minute songs. Mm. I mean, you know, there's, there's kind of like, depending on how pop, you know, what kind of level of pop you're going for. But like, yes, there's freedom in that, but there's, I don't know, in a way you can, there's a lot more freedom in writing music for, um, let's say, you know, TV and mm-hmm. in general, um, and certainly with film, um, you know, there's so much more scope to like be interesting and experiment and and be more creative. And I think that's the thing that I'm really drawn to, you know. And just like the opportunity to do that in in like a three minute song is you don't really have. No. I don't think you know. It's like you straight in it's verse, chorus, you know, whatever post chorus verse <laughs> bridge chorus 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 and it's like there's 
you know you're quite limited in quite a lot of different ways and i really i'm i'm more and more interested in um where kind of music and sound overlap and how i'm making like i do a lot of making instruments from weird stuff sampling weird stuff found sounds like um like for this film i'm doing it where where uh, the score's written for uh solo cello um and we're recording a cellist in a in the warehouse where the film is shot and then we're going to go around the warehouse and make instruments out of the stuff in the warehouse right so bow all of the instruments uh, sorry all of the um uh, like the machinery and stuff and kind of sample turn this warehouse into an instrument right um and and i i like that yeah okay it's a bit self-indulgent it's a bit sort of um it's it's a bit arty but I, I'm drawn to that I, I, I'm more interested in that and exploring that stuff than I am just just doing another song about you know whatever mm-hmm. um, so yeah I think I've always been more more interested in, in slightly more abstract stuff um, and I see the you know writing for TV and film as, as a, a way of utilising that I also feel like you know, there is there's this whole thing that there has been. I think maybe Johnny Greenwood is the guy that sort of has done this the best. But there's like typically you have like film music and then kind of like band music. That's been a thing of the past, right? But I just feel like that's it's all kind of like mm. those lines are being blurred a lot more, mm. right? And I th- I feel like I sit somewhere in between quite a lot of that anyway. It kind of feels like that could easily be film yeah. music could easily you know there's a lot of those I- yeah a lot of those yeah. ideas and a lot of um a lot of that stuff is 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 relevant in this world as well and i don't know it's I, i'm i'm really excited to get into it all and um i guess like one of the things i enjoy about working in the film industry is the variation mm-hmm. like every job I mean, we we're talking before this and i said you know we finished about you know 10 12 15 videos last week each one of them's a completely different brief it's got different music it's got a different purpose i suppose that is going to translate into the your production as well because you could have four jobs on the four completely different types of things you don't have to follow that method of verse verse chorus like like you said you're kind of free of that exactly no i think exactly that's exactly it is you know each one is like a a separate kind of homework assignment you know it's like you know just do something completely different which is really fun and i think the more experience you get and the more you do it the more you you find a way of um doing all of that stuff whilst having your own kind of voice in there as well do you know what i mean and and that's that's really interesting that kind of exploring your own thing within all of those briefs you know um so yeah it's exciting looking forward to it any advice for any uh jazz drummers out there <laughs> no um not any advice from uh from people maybe looking to start you know working in in film if they're sound engineers or yeah i don't know really well i mean i don't i'm not sure i i would I, i'm not sure i'm in a position to give anyone advice yeah. working in, in film necessarily but certainly from a music point of view mm-hmm. i think the thing that i've always been very driven and i think the reason for that is because I've always felt incredibly lucky to do something that I love. Yes. Right. And it's one of those things like a lot of people don't even have 
lot of people don't like have a hobby right they don't they don't like love they don't have a, a hobby something that they love and they, they do yeah. to have found like something that I love to have a hobby then to be able to be to make a profession from it and then to be able to like do that as a job I mean that's that's incredible right that's an incredibly lucky set of circumstances so I always feel like I have to you know I, I, I feel so lucky I need to like really make the most of that right and to really go for it so I think you just have to do the thing that feels right to you and do the thing that like like for example I, I for a while I tried to be a um, I decided I was going to be a, a pop songwriter for about 18 months it was about 10 years ago and I fucking hated it and and I and of course was not very good at it either it's just one of those things that I gave it gave it a go and I it really made me pretty unhappy and I was crap at it and it was like right I've just, don't do it you know it's as simple as that and it's like if if the music that you're making um you know if you love the music that you're making and you're there is like honesty to it and there is truth to it and the concept behind it is strong and you believe in that and that you're trying you know you're trying to tell a story with it then happy days like that's you're onto a winner and i think as long as you don't get too far away from that then you, you know you be alright. So it's a bit of a sort of wrong turn for people who go out. I've I've heard it said before actually from producers that if if you're out there trying to make music that other people are going to like, you're kind of setting yourself up to fail a little bit because you're not thinking about what you like. It's not your song necessarily. And inevitably, it's not going to be very good. No. If you're trying to make music that you don't like, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's probably not going to be very good. No. Like you've got. A... You're not really going to care about it. You're not going to love it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you're not going to feel inspired to get up and do it you might do for a year or two years but you know as a profession as a thing it's like you've got to love it yeah um if you're going to spend your life doing it is it interesting what you said about the hobby earlier because um a lot of people in our industry they'll it begins as a hobby like making videos taking photos making music all this kind of stuff when they start being paid to do it it can try and change the face of it exactly. slightly yeah. and it turns into work yeah. did you ever have that well yeah I mean I've, def- I've definitely had that at times in my career yeah. but I think that's exactly it it's like not 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 losing sight of the fact that ultimately it's something that you you love yeah. and if you don't love it you've got to redress like like w- w- why do I not yeah. love this anymore what am I what are the things that I'm doing that are not making me happy mm-hmm. within the, the work that I'm doing and yeah I think it's yeah it's a hard one because obviously you're you know music the music industry is a hard place to make money yeah um, or it can be certainly and it's hard not to follow money mm-hmm. and hard not to you know if the, 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 the parts of the industry that are um, you know potentially can make money but I don't know man it's like if you love pop music and that's what you want to do do pop music yeah but if you love weird electronica do weird electronica and if and if it pays that's a massive bonus do you know what i mean but if you go into it expecting cash (laughs) fucking you know that's not that's not the one if you have like a sort of side job when you're kind of coming up um you know you're obviously playing in gdc since uni and submo i was pretty lucky i mean i've i I taught for a while my first year first couple of years out of out of uni i i um used to teach as a drum teacher but since then I've, i've never had a job (laughs) <laughs> not a proper job 
Yeah, I mean, I'm completely unemployable. My skills are very, very <laughs> sort of niche. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just, I've just kind of completely butchered all of that answer, mate, to be honest. But it's it's a hard one to pin down, you know, because it's like... It's a every, everyone's it's so nuanced. It's like everyone has a different path. Yeah, everyone exactly, exactly. And you sort of like, I don't know, you don't want to, I don't want to come across preachy at all because it's like, what do I know? I, I know my own story. I know my what's worked for me and what hasn't worked for me. But that's not to say that that, is true for anyone else you know so I think but I think the one thing I've always tried to stay tried to hold on to with my music is just like write music that I like you know right if I like it and it feels like it's come from a good place and there is some kind of the integrity is there there is truth within it you know you're fine Nice one. Mate, lastly, do you want to plug any anywhere we can find your work, listen to some of your music, see some of the films that you've scored on? Um, so, yeah, my website is um, www.tommyevansmusic.com. So check that out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Have you got any gigs coming up? <laughs> That's a very stupid question. Mate, no, nothing, nothing. I mean, we'll see, we'll see. I mean, fingers crossed for next year. Let's hope that there's some light at the end of the tunnel and mm-hmm. and things start, you know, returning to some kind of normal. And, you know, here's to 2022. Mate, everyone is so dying to just go to any sort of gig. It is actually nuts. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Nice one. Cool. Well, Tommy Evans, thank you so much for coming in and having a little chat with us. Uh, I'm sure we'll get you on again one day, uh, one day in the near future. And uh, yeah, we'll see you soon. Big up. That is all we have time for this week on the podcast, guys. But please subscribe to ensure you catch all of our future episodes. You can also follow us on Instagram at family and friends. That's F-M-L-Y and friends, all one word. For news on our new community hub. And please also check out our main page at family creative. That's on Instagram or our main website, family-creative.com. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>